We're blessed to be a blessing. A life to make a difference. There's hope for my brother, hope for my sister. Life will abundantly. Hello friends, I'm E. Dewey Smith of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in today to the Living Hope broadcast. We've been trying to give people hope all over the world. And I want you to know my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And you can have that same hope today. Why don't you get a friend, get a neighbor on the phone, and let them know that Living Hope is on the airwaves. It's going to be a biblically-based message with applications to help us to live our lives, to walk in the fullness of the things that God has called us to walk into. So get a friend, get a neighbor on the phone, get your Bibles, and be blessed by the Word of God. It's going to change your life. Love you. See you real soon. Now, please don't miss this. While he's teaching early in the morning, the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes, those who dictated the law, the Pharisees were those who believed in going back to the law. Don't miss this. It's early in the morning. And the scribes, the trans, those who transcribed the law, the Pharisees, those who believed in keeping every iota of the law, they brought to him a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. Now, please don't miss this. It's early in the morning. Jesus has come to worship. And as soon as he gets to worship, trying to engage in growing spiritually, the scribes and the Pharisees bring to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. Don't miss it. He's there early in the morning for spiritual things. And as soon as he gets there for spiritual things, some church people, scribes and Pharisees, have brought him some mess early in the morning. I need to deal with that for a moment because you got to be careful that when you start every day, make sure that you stay away from messy people early in the morning. If you and I aren't careful, we can let people get in our ears to start our day off and the rest of the week is messed up because you connected to messy folk full of drama early in the morning. Listen, at least wait to after lunch before you bring me some foolishness. And especially when I came up early on a Sunday morning to get to worship at 10 o'clock, please don't come to me talking about who showed up. Please don't pass me any note. Please, I don't care who's missing from worship. I got up early in the morning, pressed my stuff to be in worship. Don't bring me no drama. I came to focus on God's will. And won't you shake a neighbor's hand and say, be careful that you don't let your whole week be messed up by allowing the wrong people to get in your ear at the wrong time of the morning. You got to learn how to not answer the phone certain times because if you answer the phone the wrong time, it can mess up the rest. Listen, I didn't come because I want to see your outfit. I don't care what your hair looks like. Thank God you got your shoes shine. I got up early in the morning to engage in God, to engage in growing spiritually. I want to grow. I want my mind focused on positive things. I, I didn't come to church for mess. That's too much mess outside. I come to church to get away from that. I came here to hear a word of positivity, hope, and love. Now here's what got me. 
It's early in the morning. And the scribes, those who were transcribers of the law, those who were able to dictate the law, who many had legal experience, and the Pharisees, those who wanted everybody to return to the law. So these are church people, Lord have mercy, who, caught a, who brought Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery. So let me tell you something about this woman. She is going to be our soil this morning. Because this woman is caught in adultery. So I want to say first of all, let's look at her, her sin affected her. Somebody say her sin affected her. She, she's caught in the act of adultery, but it's really flaky and suspect. I'm, I'm a very analytical mind, and I got some issues with this. I got issues because it's early in the morning. Jesus death teaching, engaging in God. And the folks who were supposed to be spiritual bring him a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, here's, now, now let me explain this. So she's caught in the act of adultery, so her sin has affected her. I believe she's really engaged in sin. But, but, but the problem I have is this. It's early in the morning, and they brought her a woman caught in the act of adultery, which, if you let me imply, if it's early in the morning, she's just been caught in the act of adultery, that means wherever she was, she probably was there all night. If it's early in the morning, it means it probably was dark when she got caught, caught doing whatever she was doing. The scribes and the Pharisees brought her after she'd been caught early in the morning, which means she probably was out at dark doing what she was doing, but the scribes and the Pharisees now have her, and they bring her to church early in the morning so my question is, if she was doing what she was doing in the dark, and was caught early in the morning, then where were the Pharisees? It's amazing to see many of us who when persons are affected by their sin, how we have a tendency to point out the sins in people. She has a messy starting point and she is caught doing wrong. But mean-spirited people who have caught her or set her up now want to publicly humiliate her in the temple in front of everybody and these are the scribes and the Pharisees I want to dig that for a moment because one of the things I notice about many of us who say we're believers if we're not careful I see it often it's so easy for us to become Pharisees I saw it over and over over the past couple of days when people responded on social media, to some of the things that we posted and things we did, even honoring the life of Prince Rogers Nelson. To see some of the comments of people, why would you honor Prince? Why would you say anything about him? You know, he's going to hell. The music that he played, and do you know what the song means? Do you know what the lyrics to the song meant? And honestly, most of the songs, I didn't know what the meaning was. 
I just like Purple Rain. I don't know what he's talking about. I, I, I think halftime Princeton know what he was talking about. I just like the tune and the musicality. So, but here's my point. How are you so deep condemning him to hell and you know what the song means? The very fact that you know what the song means, means at some point in your life, you've been listening to. And here's what I want to close with. And you don't know what happened at the last moments of his life. Sure, his belief system was not my belief system. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But were you there when he died? Do you know what was in his mind, heart, and spirit? Stop being so quick to condemn other people to hell if you don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody else in. We love sometimes to point out the issues in others. The preacher said to me, well, we have no track record that he was saved. We have no track record that he accepted Jesus. We have no track record that he joined a Christian church. We have no track record that he had a pastor who's a Christian pastor. Do you still believe that? Well, let me say something to you. We have one day when Jesus was dying on the cross. One of the thieves dying with them said, Jesus, I'm on this cross because I've done wrong. I, I deserve what I'm getting, but I know you've done no wrong. Can you do me a favor? When you get into your kingdom, remember me. Can I tell you what? We have no track record that he joined the church. We have no track record that he filled out a new member's form. We have no track record that he went to boot camp. We have no track record that he came to connecting point. We have no track record that he gave him a cap and gown. We have no track record that he had a membership number. We have no track record that he paid tithes and offerings. But in spite of that fact, on his last minute and the last chapter of his life, Jesus looked at him and said, don't worry about it, dog. Because you understand I'm your master this day. You're going to be with me in paradise you don't know what somebody did before they closed their eyes and if you don't know that mind your own business one of the biggest problems in christianity is those persons who act like pharisees who demonize anybody different from them We demonize people based upon race, upon denominational, the denominational affiliation. We demonize people upon belief systems, upon ideology, upon gender, upon orientation. We, we just demonize people for no reason because they are not like us. But learn how to see the humanity in all people. Somebody help me here. You shouldn't be so happy to point out other people's downfall. You shouldn't be so happy to point the bony thing of scrutiny and accusation at others when they are caught in something. Because you know why? It's only by God's grace that many of us haven't been caught up in some situations that could have destroyed our lives and embarrassed our entire family. You ought to thank God that God has spared you and kept you by his grace and by his mercy.
But hurt me here, she's brought and thrown in front of the church, not by thugs, not by mean people, but those who are the upper echelon in Jewish society. Her sin has affected her, and she's brought to church involuntarily, and she's embarrassed. Let me tell you something. In this 21st century, we've got to learn how when people come to church who've been caught in things, they're soiled. We've got to learn how to love and not point out folks. We've got to learn to not do like my mother, my grandmother's church did back in the day. If a young girl came to church and had a skirt on too short, they'd get a big old quilt and a blanket and wrap up like she's a mummy. Surround her and calling out demons. You don't know that could be the only thing she had to put on. Somebody help me around here. And I would rather have somebody in church with a short skirt on if all they have, but they won't come looking for God, than somebody in church with a dress to their ankles but got a nasty heart. Somebody help me around here. It's not all about what you look like on the outside. Some folks don't come with tattoos and jeans and sneakers. Everybody is not going to wear a shirt and tie. We got to learn to look beyond the exterior of people and see the humanity in people. All of us need God. I hope you're being blessed like I've been blessed. I got to take a break now, but I'll be right back. Don't change that channel. You're watching Living Hope. See, two of us want to raise yourself up before you stoop down. When you stoop down in consecration and then have some communication, God will speak to you in your communication and when you have some elevation, I'm coming up with a word from God. Every time someone invests, every time someone's a partner with us, they help us to reach other boys and girls, to reclaim them uh, from child sex trafficking. Whenever someone invests in us, they help us to touch the young boy, the young girl uh, who has HIV. They help us to minister to the woman who's been battered, uh, the child who's been battered, that has nowhere to go. So they help us to go out and make a difference in the world. Partnering with E. Dewey Smith Ministries connects you to a growing global outreach, touching the lives of the battered, imprisoned, sexually abused, and needy. But by partnering with us, you really become partakers and not just part of the responsibility, but also the blessing. So we're just excited to have persons who want to make a difference for Christ. We're excited about people and transform the world. Impact the world with your partnership with EDS Ministries. Your monthly donation of $25 or more helps to impact the lives of thousands. Join Carpenters at Work. Become a partner with E. Dewey Smith Ministries today. Because of wonderful people like you, people around the world are hearing the Word of God. The religious folks said in verse 5, now, the law told us that we should stone her. What is it about us that makes us want to see people dead? And as you keep reading the narrative, you discover that it really wasn't about her. <laughs> they did all this because they were trying to test Jesus. Because they realize now, if we can trap Jesus to make him say stone her, that would be a violation of the Greco-Roman law. If he says don't stone her, then that would mean he's soft on sin and disobeys the Moses law. So either he's going to obey the Mosaic law and disobey the Roman law, we're going to catch him in between laws. 
And if we can catch him to make him violate either law, we got it. If we can get him to follow Moses' law and stone her, that will bring him in violation of a Roman law and we can get him killed. So we really want to kill him by putting him in a catch-22. We want to make him look bad. And if we got to use her to make him look bad, we'll do it. So she was a pawn in the religious plan and plot to desecrate the name of Jesus. Let me help you here. Sometimes in our lives, the tests and struggles that we face from evil people have nothing to do with you. It's all about trying to make the name of God look bad. Let me help you. Sometimes I believe the enemy and the devil, I still believe that there's a demonic realm in this world. Sometimes I believe demonic forces can mess with you financially. And the plan here is, if I can get you discombobulated financially, then maybe you will no longer be a great representation of God because you've been preaching, God will supply all my needs, but if I can mess you up financially, then you will make God look bad. You've been preaching God is a healer, so let me let you get sick because if your sickness uh, comes after you've been declaring God is a healer, then that makes God look bad because do you still believe God is a healer if you've been sick? So I understand now that some of our struggles have nothing to do with us. It's all about us trying, being used by demonic forces to make God's name look bad. And that's why you got to understand every trap and every trick of the enemy, that when the enemy tries to make you look bad in order to make God's name look bad that you don't reduce yourself to the enemy's plan you tell the devil yeah sure no devil you say I'm broke no I'm not broke I'm just in between paychecks but although I'm in between paychecks it still does not mean that God is not my provider me not having the resources does not mean that God still doesn't provide just because I'm in a tight spot right now does not mean that God will not make a way is there anybody in this house who can testify that in spite of what you're going through, you still know you're not going to make the name of God look bad? Let me, let me, let me hurry on. They're trying, they're, they're, they're trying, they're trying to trap Jesus. They did this testing him, trying to accuse him. In verse 6, it says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground. This is the only time in the Bible you'll see where Jesus wrote something in the Gospels. He wrote on the ground with his finger. What intrigued me is I always wondered, what did he write? Problem with us is when stuff comes our way, no consecration in bending the knees, no communication and writing on the ground. You better learn how to count backwards from 10. Learn how to go in your bathroom at work and say, ah! Go back. Now, as you were saying, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help somebody. You better learn how to get that stuff out and be real. Because guess what? One moment of you being frustrated, one moment of you trying to be deep and trying to get even is not worth you being put outside. You better learn how to grow up and mature in the faith and count it all joy when you fall in a diver's temptation, knowing this, the trial of your faith is working patience. It's right here in verse number seven. 
So when they continue to ask him, then he raised himself up. See, two of us want to raise yourself up before you stoop down. When you stoop down in consecration and then have some communication, God will speak to you in your communication and when you have some elevation, I'm coming up with a word from God. Do y'all believe that God will hold your tongue, that God will give you power in some of the tight spaces? Of, I don't know who I'm talking to today. But every person who in this room or who's watching me live and you work in a hostile work environment, this word is for you. Stop trying to fight your battles and learn how to hold your peace. I've been in situations in my life where the same folk who tried to kill me because I didn't fight back. When I fight back, I remove God from the equation. But when I bend my knees and put it in his hands, can I tell you something? He can handle it way better than you and I can. And if you were to bend down in consecration and give God some communication, sometimes that can be some elimination. The same boss that's trying to kill you in six months, you have his job if you handle things the right way. I'm finished. When Jesus raised himself up, verse 10, and saw no other man, because he said, those of you who are without sin, <laughs> verse 7, once he got up, he came up with one word, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first, I'm not going to say a whole lot. Y'all trying to put me in the odds with the Mosaic law and the Roman law. Those of you who without sin, go ahead. Y'all stone her first. The Bible says they went home from the, the oldest to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. Verse 10 said, but Jesus raised himself up. I'm finished. When he raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And Jesus said, no one, Lord. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go. And say no more. Look at the 11th verse in the Message Bible. I'm finished. 11th verse in the Message Bible. I close. The 11th verse in the Message Bible. I'm out of here. No one, Master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. This is what he said. You're missing God in all this. Then he talks back to the Pharisees. What he says to the, them is, this message is more important than the miracle. Because you got miracles, but you don't know how to treat people. God is not just in the sign and the wonders. He's in your ability to touch the dirty soils of life and to draw it with loving God is not always in the earthquake and the thunder roaring. God is right there in that moment when you can forgive the person on your job and hold your peace. 
God is not always in your promotion and more money. God was right there to sustain you and to cover you when you were filled with hostility all around you in a toxic environment, but you kept your head on straight. When you leave this place and you see somebody that you don't agree with, I don't care what color they are, what they do, who they marry, who they date. It's not about you having, see, here's the thing. I got to close. A lot of us carry the name of Jesus, but we don't have the nature of Jesus. It's not just about orthodoxy. It's also about orthopraxy. Orthodoxy, correct beliefs. Orthopraxy, correct behavior. In your tone toward other people that are different from you, how do you respond? Do you leave people with grace and mercy? Or do you reduce them because they make mistakes? Can you get your hands dirty with the soul? Who have you written off in your family? My friends, it's my prayer that you've been blessed by our broadcast. And if you have, let me hear from you. Send us a card. Connect with us on social media. Consider becoming a partner with us. Or why don't you order this message and sow it into somebody's life. Invest in kingdom development. You know somebody needed that word. Be a blessing to them. Sow it into their life and help us to carry the gospel all over the world. I need to hear from you now. Do it right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. I got to hear from you. I'm out of time, but I'll see you next time. Remember, you've been watching Living Hope. God bless you. I love you. Peace. Be transformed by Dr. Dewey's message. When the enemy tries to make you look bad in order to make God's name look bad, that you don't reduce yourself to the enemy's plan. You tell the devil, yeah, sure. No, devil, you say I'm broke. No, I'm not broke. I'm just in between paychecks. But although I'm in between paychecks, it still does not mean that God is not my provider. Me not having the resources does not mean that God still doesn't provide. Just because I'm in a tight spot right now, now does not mean that God will not make a way. Is there anybody in this house who can testify that in spite of what you're going through, you still know you're not going to make the name of God look bad?